Hello everyone, welcome to the podcast. I have music on and you might not hear it, but I'm vibing right now. We're recording this one and it's going to be a good one. I'm really excited about this. And yeah, let's go. So March is coming up and I thought, well, we have two days left of February. We need another podcast. We need an update. Life is good. So many things going on. And yeah, here we are. So if you're new to the podcast, this is a podcast about how to transition in life, how to grow and learn in life in general, how we should always be transitioning in life and growing. We're not supposed to just stay stagnant. And if we do, then we, you know, we end up in places where we didn't want to be. <laughs> I think that there's a power in always learning. And that's basically the purpose of this podcast. The word liminality means a space in between, a space of transition and That is basically the concept and the origin where this podcast comes from. This is a podcast of mental health, lifestyle, and anything in between. And what we love to talk about here, me and everyone who brings suggestions, is how life can teach us so much about how to keep on living life. So let's get started. Okay, so I'm really happy to have you here today. And this was a perfect occasion. I felt that I needed to do this podcast. And I literally just got a message. And I don't know if you just heard it in the podcast. <laughs> But, you know, when life is just, you know, messaging you, you need to message back. So I'm going to do that super fast. I literally just got a work message to... To send an, an email so I'm gonna do it right now in the spot in the podcast it shows so much how we are always working and this is amazing okay well that's a big update for me this month so I'm gonna be starting an internship very soon this week and I've already been interning with other people and I'm always working and always doing things and we love it we love the grind we love the life But it's something interesting to adjust and adapt yourself when you have more things or different things going on in your schedule. And I was thinking about this all this weekend and the week before about how to mentally adjust for the adjustment of my schedule that I know I'm going to be able to take on and that I'm not, I know I have the capacity for, but Sometimes it just takes a mental adjustment. Like your mind sometimes gets stuck. And that's how my mind was. Like in the last week, I was like, how am I going to do this? And that's something I wanted to talk about. First off, first update, how important it is to make a mind adjustment. So many times, even not only so many times, like we live life through our mind and what we perceive in our mind. And we basically let our mind dictate and direct all our reality, what we perceive, what we see, the choices that we make. And it comes down to this place of we truly do need to take care of our minds and be intentional about realigning ourselves to our core values, to our core self and who we really want to be. So that then we keep on moving forward and everything is stable and steady and you know we we keep on striding 
I remember one time I took on this new thing and I had this adjustment in my life and in my schedule. This was June last year, so June 2022. And I remember someone I was talking with um, that was part of that adjustment. Um, and they, they said there was like just a little bump, little bump in the road. And then you were just, you just took strides. It was perfect, a perfect transition. And I just thought about that. What classifies transitions as good or bad or positive or negative? And I think so many times is we can just see the result, right? Of, well, this, you didn't transition well, or like you just didn't do it well, or you're not good at transitions. But I think we should focus on too, on the things that we have control over before we start transitioning. Because so many times we just like push ourselves down to that cliff or like we push ourselves down a path that we, we don't really need to go down, you know? I think sometimes we have control over things that are wise to have control over it, that we should actually pay attention to and listen to. So we're going to talk about that. I wasn't intending to talk about this, but here we are. So what can we do to keep ourselves from the mental stress, um, the, the anxiety, the all the craziness that comes from transition. I always hear when people talk about like someone moving to a new country or going to college or all of the things that come from transition, all the craziness. Everyone knows like, oh yeah, no, I understand. You know, it's hard. It's hard because you moved. It's hard because of this. It's a change. And there's so many bad connotations that chat attached to change. That is, it's, I think it's too much. I think it's a little over vamped or exaggerated. I think they just put it like, we're like, yeah, no, let's just, let's make it a stereotype. Let's make it, oh yes, if you're doing this, it's going to be this way. The same way, like when people talk about exercising, oh, it's you know, oof, it's hard. And I think we need to deconstruct that mentality and that mindset. And it comes down to the way we ourselves interact with our mind or, or treat our mind um, when we're going through those transitions. So for some context, not that I'm like throwing shade on anyone who's gone through those tough transitions in life, but I've moved uh, three countries. And you know, some people have moved like a lot all throughout their lives, my life. I don't think can be compared to that at all. But, um, and I think of course there's like specific realities and examples of people that you can be like, wow, yeah, that that's crazy. But then you also see, you know, different people adjust differently and, and we see that in everyone's lives, how there's the generalized idea of like, oh, moving is tough or like how this impacts you because it actually, it does, you know, it's, you don't get the chance to dig roots um, if it's like a really big transition all the time. And then you're lacking basically community and social interactions in a way that are deep, that affects your own way of being and, and your health as a, as a person. But not talking about that, those cert like certain examples, I want to talk about change and transition and how we can transition well. Um, and avoid, not necessarily avoid, I personally, I know there's like this huge 
group of people <laughs> in the world, like uh, for centuries, talking about like avoidance of things. I'd rather focus on what we can build, what we can construct, what, what we can do instead of avoid, you know? I do believe in, you know, prevention of things, but what if we, instead of focusing all of our efforts in avoidance, we focused it on, you know, doing things? Because I think even with learning um, or deconstructing uh, behaviors, so you can't really eliminate a behavior from your mind, that pattern that you have. You can't eliminate it. The only thing you can do is replace it. So I think it's the same thing. If we're just trying to avoid doing something, there's always like the, the possibility that we could fall down into that or we're just so focused on avoiding something that then like we forget about so many other things. And if you're watching the podcast right now in the video, you're seeing me do all of these hand movements, which I love. Yes, let's go. So yeah, so talking about focusing on building and constructing. I was thinking, so what things can we establish in our lives to, you know, build our mental health? Or let's talk about just our mind in change, our mind during change and transition. Because I think there's a beautiful and fascinating thing about our minds, but how we work in change or in transition, because everyone is so different. I have a friend who is just, I mean, she adapts to change all of that, but she hates change. I am the full on opposite. Like it becomes unhealthy at times when I'm like self-sabotaging and just changing things up just for the sake of it, because I'm bored or I need excitement. There's a joke. And, and not that this is like my entire life or all of that, you know, but you know, when you have certain traits or things you've done and then it becomes a joke with your family or, or with friends, and there's a joke that I like continuously go on cycles of friendships and I'm like, who's your new friend? And I think it's easy to get bored. I've also heard of ADHD, um, some people talking about how people with ADHD get bored easily and seeking that adrenaline sometimes in relationships means that they're just like either jumping from new relationship to new relationship or always seeking like a new thing in their relationship. I think I'm just listing right now, like different things that come to mind when I think of people dealing with change or people liking change or not and how that can be healthy or unhealthy. But I think everything is a double-edged sword that we can have a weakness if it's if we're just unhealthy, but it could actually be our greatest strength and it's just we're not managing it well. If anything, our strengths, when they're not well managed, they're even more destructive as weaknesses. And I think it's something interesting. I think even weaknesses that are just like normal, light, non-important weaknesses are not usually super big strengths either, like are not really, yeah, as important. Which, again, adds to the point of what I said before, of not focusing on avoiding things or avoiding doing that bad thing or focusing on not sinning if you're, like, religious in any way or focusing on let's not, let's just not do anything wrong, let's just not move. And then you're basically neglecting the possibility of growing in your strengths and actually improving in so many ways. So... Keeping on with this uh, theory of 
focusing on building instead of, instead of avoiding, more I would call it proactive action, <laughs> which sounds so basic. But let's call it proactive action, focusing on proactive action when it comes to our minds in moments of transition and change. So what do I think of when I think of transition and change? Although I've already mentioned a lot of those instances, several things. I think there's different levels. And again, if someone has a different way of approaching change or transition, it's going to be different. Again, because different approaches, but also different people, like we're all wired differently. If I consistently need change and that thrill or that new thing, or I'm always like, like change things up, like why are things not being changed up? Then maybe um, my way of approaching transition even because I think transition always takes a toll in, in your mind, in your life, because it is a full-on change. Like you need, if it's just brought upon you in that way super randomly and shoved on your throat, then you might be a little unstable emotionally. And I've, <laughs> I've struggled with that because it's funny because even if you like change, it doesn't mean that you're not overwhelmed with emotions or that it doesn't, it's still a thrill. It's like adrenaline is a thrill of emotions, but you're in a roller coaster. So you're basically like going super, super, super high and then you go down and then you, it becomes a cycle. And I will just, I, I'm pretty sure people have studied this or defined this better but I think it's a cycle for people who are, like are that way, like me, that you're like going super, super high in the adrenaline peak, peak thing in the graph. Just imagine, envision a graph. I'm doing it in the screen if you're watching the video. Like you just go super, super high and then you drop. And that becomes a cycle of going from, oh, seeking something new, seeking the thrill, seeking adrenaline, and then you drop and then you want more change. So it can become a self-sabotaging experience that you're constantly ch shaking things up just because you want that thrill again, instead of finding that thrill or that adrenaline where you are and in your growth, which I think is really connected to the concept of liminality, that we're constantly growing and we're constantly progressing and you're never staying the same, even if things are the same, like stepping out inside of you, you know, stepping out even in your own reality. Like how can we actually change and, and not conform to how things are, you know? And so, so yeah, that would be my first, my first intake and in that the cycle of self-sabotage when you're seeking thrills. Okay, so we're talking about this. Uh, transitions, people with change, your mind, what's up with your mind? So all of us experience some kind of emotional turmoil when things change. It's not necessarily, even if you, and maybe not turmoil, maybe that's not the word. I think some kind of emotional um, mm, what's the word for this? I think it's like emotional stimulation. That is a word I knew. Okay, I was thinking about that for so long. Like it was the tip of my tongue. Emotional stimulation, which means like it can be really good, you know, all the adrenaline, but it can also be bad when it crashes. But it's just like, it's all our emotions being stimulated in one way or the other. And the way we handle things and the way we process and handle our emotions will indicate a lot of our future and will predict that too. So where does this come from? I think there's a lot of this that comes from how we 
utilize the tool of our minds to actually go through this processing of emotions, because I think no matter the change, our emotions are going to be stimulated. I feel that even if, like I'm not an expert on this, but I'm me just talking and thinking of experiences and all of this, is that emotions are kind of um, this sensor that from how we experience reality, we just sense things. It doesn't matter that like we are that, like not attaching yourself to those emotions, but also knowing that it's just your ability to perceive reality. Like it becomes a thing, um, like a, a litmus test that just tells you this is this and this is that. It's like a power tool. Like it's amazing. And I just, I've struggled so much with emotions and being really overwhelmed by emotions and not being able to handle them well. I watched this podcast, which is funny that I said watch, because now I feel like all of these podcasts are in, on video, which I love because I love seeing people's reactions and faces and all of that. But anyways, I was watching this podcast and this girl was talking about, well, she said, <laughs> I, I cry a lot. So if I cry, it's just, don't worry, it's normal. And I related so much to that because I'm like, I don't really cry a lot alone. I'm not really sad a lot. Like I've had my issues years back of having like mental breakdown seasons and, you know, all of that. And if you can relate, you know, kudos to you. But um, there we go. But I, I think that with that, I felt really, I related to her and I resonated to her because I was like, wow, yes, it's just sensitivity. It's like higher sensitivity of emotions than your nervous system. Because if you think about it, even again, I'm not an expert, but your nervous system is connected to your emotions. You just feel things like if I hit you in the face, you're going to feel it. And you're probably, you either are going to be angry or mad, or you're going to cry or, you know, it just, um, it's like you press a button and it creates emotions and it's like, oh, or if you press something and like, it creates a reaction. But I think the thing is that so many times we mesh the two things, emotions and actions and reactions. So I think that emotions create a reaction so that we are aware of our environment, but then it doesn't mean that we are a reactive person. That's just our own. Um, that's what makes us know that emotions exist. The same thing as, as um, these guys. I forgot the name. There's, I'm going to look it up right now, actually. But um, I've been talking a lot about this. Um, neutrons. Okay. Yes, the same thing as neutrons. So if you know anything about physics, which I don't know basically much, but I know this thing and I, I love to use this, yes, as a metaphor. So neutrons, I love that I was just basically in, on the spot in the podcast. I mean, like, clearly I don't know anything about physics, but I'm just going to give you this example because I think it's cool. Uh, so neutrons, you only know about neutrons that they exist because of the um, existence of other elements, of other things. You can't identify them by themselves. Like, you can get a microscope and find them if it's not because of the existence of other atoms and protons and all of those things. I mean, they're part of the atom. I do know that. <laughs> Just for anyone who's hating on me right now uh, for not knowing uh, a lot of physics. But knowing this, I think, is the same thing with emotions. So you know about emotions because of your reactions. But it doesn't mean that your actions should be uh, reactive. So, for instance, when someone says, oh, this person is so reactive, that's because they've acted in a way that has been um, 
propelled by their emotions and it has been a, a literally a reaction or let's not use the word reaction but an actual reflection or projection or or just result of that emotion only driven by that or other emotions that becomes reactive which is not healthy because then you're basically controlled by your emotions emotions are just meant to give you insight into the environment into that how could that affect you and how that how could that affect others so it's just like a litmus test of the environment a litmus test of the situation a litmus test of anything that you're interacting with and then it gives you a certain perception that pops in your mind right so many times when we talk about emotions we just talk about our heart and all of that but it's basically in your freaking mind <laughs> and your mind is just thinking right it goes into your mind you have those emotions and your mind basically perceives the whole environment and your emotions are a part a big part of it of like consolidating the memory but also giving you insight of what this is and of course you can connect that back to other pre previous experiences but that's also very connected with like your previous emotional experiences like what you felt in other experiences and then you can cross connect and create conclusions and evaluations about what the situation is now that's what emotions basically you know may help you they're a tool that's what they do but one you know thing that we shouldn't do not to tell you what to do i don't like telling people what to do but um i'm just like putting it out there <laughs> being reactive in terms of our emotions because when we fall out from the when there's like a blurry line okay let's talk about this let's deconstruct this you have proactive people and reactive people so proactive people it doesn't mean that they don't feel the, their emotions it doesn't mean that they don't have their emotional reaction internally like that reaction that makes them understand and have insight about this situation the thing is that they don't act as a result of their emotions they don't just oh yeah that happened like you did that i'm just gonna like react as a result of that to that but on the other side on the other hand reactive people um usually just react out of emotions and what happens is what i said before you become controlled by that so why are we talking about this in terms of transitions and change because what i said before there's an overstimulation of emotions in that and you need to be able to step as a proactive person be able to recognize that these are just your emotions they're actually helping you they're a tool they're in your mind your mind is grasping all of your environment the perception of your life of your reality what you're where you're living in and what you're experiencing and it's just serving you as a tool to be able to perceive this better but again it's a subjective perception and all of that I was talking with a friend and I think this really relates to this and she studies psychology and she's really into this but she told me a little about how there's some studies that talk about how we only perceive 1% of what our environment actually is and of reality so this is very determined by what we focus on so what we focus on on will basically determine what that 1% is which means that will basically determine what our reality is and what we perceive from it and what life is to us so we can be in the same place same time as another person and be living in complete opposite realities like how crazy is that i've been telling everyone this and i'm saying this now and i'm so blown away because it just 
like blew my mind. Although I'm like being so repetitive right now, but it is just amazing. And it's fascinating because just think about that, that literally just what you focus on, which I think is the first thing that I would talk about, although we've just been talking so much about this, but what are you focusing on? Your mind it's going to be simulated all of you, by all of those emotions. You know, you're going to have the, you're going to know that they're there. You're going to know that this is happening. You're going to have all of these different ideas or perceptions. Like maybe you move to a new country. Maybe you move to a new school and you're like, I don't have any friends. Or like people are really hostile here. Or this is all this way. This is not like back home. I can't be myself here. Anything that pops into your mind you get the choice to move forward from that and say, okay, no, what is actually true in this? Is this just my emotions? Am I just taking one experience for granted as a, this is the whole reality? Or another thing to say, I would say is, um, are you, what are you focusing on? What are you focusing on? I got stuck right there. I was like, okay, yeah, but it's all because what are you focusing on? And, so I think the first thing is choosing things to focus on that are actually going to build a constructive transition. So before the transition, even, because again, I was talking at the beginning, I'm going to go through a transition this week and I'm really excited. And this next month too, and life keeps on transitioning and, I, and it makes me happy. It makes me really happy, but um, it's still there's moments, right? And I was like, what am I going to focus on? So first thing I thought of, which I really connects to uh, this too, is I was trying to focus when I was building my schedule last week and I was thinking, okay, don't get overwhelmed, Ellie. It's all good. It's okay. <laughs> There's, you, you got this. I was like, okay, let's focus on the days that I'm going to have to rest and the days that I'm going to be like, just focus on those days and make it really clear that I love working, but I know when I, I, and there's a lot of things going on and then there's a lot of overstimulation, I can get burnt out. And I usually don't admit burnout because I'm, which is not good. I'm like, no, I can keep up and keep on powering through. But then it just affects my mental health and it affects everything. It affects the results of my work, who I'm being in my relationships and everything like, you know, I think everything you do in life some way or the other affects other areas of your life. So first thing, focus on things that are going to make you feel some kind of comfort and make you feel assured and also make you feel more confident in yourself. So for instance, or even help you, you know, for instance, okay, you're going to a new college. This is your, you're a freshman in college person and you're like okay I'm getting all of these thoughts that no one's gonna like me or people are different here I don't know how I'm gonna make friends so think about these think okay maybe you can think of oh I like this kind of sport or I like this um to do this and then you can find a club or something like that where you find people similar to you so that then you like you focus on that and I'm not telling you to just hang out with people like you because I don't think that's healthy. I think it's important to have like a variety of people to keep on feeding into your life with different mentalities, different perspectives, different perceptions of the world so that we actually learn and grow. But to focus on like how we can 
stabilize our minds through transition, I would say, first off, find something like that, you know, find a place where you feel like, like you're home, you know, when I moved everywhere I moved, I've always had a home church. And um, but I specifically moved to LA because of the church I go to, which was a vision that I I longed to be part of and I really, really felt connected to, but like to the point of like moving across the world to be here. And um, it's funny because depending on like if you have a religious background, which I don't personally consider religious because I don't like religion, which I can talk about that in another podcast actually, um, but I'm very spiritual. And um, if you know me, you know that I am. And um, yeah, so for me, that that's something that mattered to me. And it's something that I could connect to and I could feel safe in. I, I was looking for safety as not in life, not in my actions in life, not in the way that I was transitioning into the future, not in my care, not, not in like the places you don't need to be safe. I was looking for that safe haven in the midst of chaos, in the midst of, of transition, in the midst of change. So I think that's one thing, like focus on what thing can you rely on, whether that's you have um, some kind of spiritual background, you know, maybe you, whatever practice you have, maybe you have, you know, someone over there, I mean, you could reconnect with them. Maybe it's a club that you're part of. Maybe it's like playing chess. Maybe it's scheduling meetings with or FaceTimes with people from back home in the midst of transition, you know. Maybe it's eating something that you loved from back home that you have there now. And maybe it's just even like the smallest of things, doing things for yourself. So I think the second thing besides like focus, what you're focusing on, and again, the proactive action of actually stepping into that, you know, and doing that in your life. Because I think I've talked about this in another podcast, but it's, it, there's, we've lived enough in our minds, like, let's make our minds reality and the reality that we live. So, you know, I think with everything that I say, always take it as something that you should put into action. Like, this is not me just talking, oh, yeah, you know, this is beautiful and wonderful ideas. I'm like, no, I've seen this in my life. But also, it would be useless to just be listening to this and not do anything with it. And um, even, I mean, again, if you don't agree with this, totally understand. But with anything, I would just encourage you with anything that you do in life or even challenge you, just don't just listen to things or read books and devour, you know, self-help things and then not do anything about it. Like, what's the point of that? Um, but moving forward, <laughs> the second thing I would say, just doing things for yourself. So I think you need to dedicate a certain time, moment, space, even just a, a mental moment of like thinking, okay, am I just doing all these things, going through transition and not really dedicating a single moment to pamper myself? And it can be in the small details. And this takes care of your mind. But again, another thing that I would add into this point is that sometimes, or a lot of times, or most of the times, or always, <laughs> taking care of your mind also is connected to how you're wait sorry taking care of yourself is connected to how you're taking care of your mind so one thing that really helps me is journaling and people say this a lot but it's different for everyone you know I like to write letters 
like letters to my future self, letters to life, letters to God, because I'm um, very connected to that. Um, and letters to to someone I love, letters to someone I would love. And connect, connecting this a lot to manifesting, I listened to a podcast one time about how this woman who's like huge in like the manifesting world um, wrote a letter about her future husband and about the future. She was like, um, I wake up and I'm next to my future husband or like my husband at that time. And she just started describing things. And two years later, I think it was, she, she always wrote a letter for the year. And the Sam, she was with her future husband and she read the letter out loud and she didn't even remember she wrote that. And it was like, wow, I wrote this down. So I think there's something beautiful about putting out your emotions, your feelings. I think that's another way of processing, but also a way of taking care of your mind. Your mind can, I mean, maybe I'm just speaking out on my mind, but it can go to dark places if you don't take care of it, if you don't babysit it. You need to babysit your mind, babysit your thoughts, but also do it in a beautiful way. I know everyone's different. Everyone likes to do things in their own ways, you know, variety. But I, yeah, just just find something that works for you. You know, maybe journaling doesn't work for you. Maybe you just need to talk with someone. Maybe you actually just need to think about it. Like think in your mind. I was talking with someone this morning and this friend that asked me a question yesterday about how if there was something such as too much thinking. And I thought, I mean, of course overthinking is destructive. But I think when you're thinking about good things, excellent things, true things, things that are like, you know, amazing and loving and beautiful, I don't think there's too much of that. If anything, I think like it's it feeds your creativity, it feeds your life, it feeds the way you see everything and and your own future, even your own future, it feeds hope. I'm just thinking of all of the things that it creates. I'm like, if you're thinking about all of those things, you're actually creating things in your mind. And if we create out of the material of our minds, you're literally filling your mind with goodness and full on like high quality material to create the future and create the life that you want. And so I think that's the third point that I would say, like, what are you feeding your mind? And, and I think that's connected to the first point of like, what are you focusing on? Because you will only focus on, or will only be able to focus on something that is actually inside of your mind. So what are you putting inside of your mind? Because perception is very much affected by what you're feeding yourself or experiences you've had and how you're processing them. So what if you create new memories? There's this whole thing about how, um, I, I heard about this book of, how you can change memories and they do this a lot for PTSD um, patients that are, you know, trying to get out of that and trying to change the memory. And you can actually change memories by retelling a story again and again and again. So you're able to do that because you, I think there's a part in the brain, I think it's called the RIS. And um, yeah, so you're, we work with memories, we work with narrative. And if you're telling yourself a story again and again and again in your mind, you are going to think that is reality. And not only that, of course, sometimes, I mean, 
we're talking about patients, that was what happened. But it, they could change the narrative and actually change the memory to a good one or something that wasn't like as traumatic just by that therapy. So how could we utilize this tool like so much more in our own personal lives for things that are like much more smaller than traumatic experiences? And again, if you've gone through some kind of trauma, I mean, I would really recommend therapy, um, even for small things, you know, I think there's also a power and a beauty of going to therapy if you're just like chilling in life, because I think we all have issues and things that we build up inside. And then you sometimes don't even realize it because you're isolated or not really having to show those parts of yourself in certain circumstances. Which is funny because so many times, I'm just going on a tangent here, but so many times we make our lives this space to just fit in all our all, all of our things that we don't want to change. All of the things that we know that are that should change, that are not helping anyone, but we're just like making everything serve us. And I heard this quote the other day of someone saying, when someone can't talk about it, actually, I read it in a book, The Untethered Soul, if you know about it, really good book. But it said, if, you know, when that uh, someone is like, no, you can't talk about that topic, like not with me, we're not talking about that, like that's off limits. That topic basically has control over them. But not only that, they've made their lives in a way, they've um, curated their lives so that no one can address that, which becomes such a lack of ownership culture and a lack of responsibility culture because you can be like, oh no, yes, I'm like, this is very delicate for me. But there's a moment that you need to grow up and take care of that. And I'm not saying that, I'm not talking, you know, super like randomly about everything because everything is different. But in general, you know, I think that there's certain things that we know <laughs> that we need to address. So therapy could be a great thing for you, you know? I recommend, I recommend therapy. I've been in therapy and it did reveal some things about myself that I didn't know and it gave me a lot of insight, especially for, I don't know if anyone, there's any fam out there that has struggled with eating disorders, um, join the fam. <laughs> but I think we all have issues, you know, and that's a good thing to go to. So we just talked about the mind, we talked about transitions and talking about therapy, I just want to finish this up saying, that same thing with everything. I think we need to get more comfortable asking for help. Like, what is this whole pride thing about not asking people for help? Look, I think when you're in like the worst, worst, least case scenario, like either if you don't ask for help, I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with you. Not to hate anyone here. But I'm like, if you can't even give up your pride or ask even if someone says no, when you're in the worst case scenario, like how are you going to live life? We can't live life alone. And I'm not here to, you know, give pep talks or anything because I don't think that's constructive. But what I th think is that when people can't ask for help, and I've seen that in my own life too, is that you're missing the opportunity of giving someone else, well, you're missing, you're, how do I phrase this? You're um, taking away from someone else the opportunity to actually be generous and to be good to you and then to show you that to you and then for you to be, want to be that to others when and another thing i would say about this is that when we don't like asking for help so many times i mean there's people i love helping people and um, 
not this sounds like weird arrogant whatever but i, I didn't mean it that way <laughs> um but it's this thing of like sometimes you're super willing to help others but you're like well i don't know if anyone would want to help me but i think at the end of the day it's all about how you're perceiving reality again it's all in your mind and so so many times there's so many people wanting to help you just wanting to have the opportunity to do something in life you know and serve others and be selfless because being selfless is the highest expression of humanity of human beings and that's how we're wired that's literally how we're made to be so if you're t you're literally giving someone else the opportunity to live in purpose you know and yeah but when you can't it's just like okay what is making you think that other people there's no goodness in other people because i think it comes down to deconstructing this perception and perspective that or even mindset that people do not have goodness inside of them or they wouldn't want to help or they you know i know some people are that way you know and i i also think that there is goodness hidden within everyone and i'm that person that believes in the good in people and in their potential and then gets disappointed a lot <laughs> But at the same time, there is a lot of times. And I do believe that it's better to believe in the best in people than in the worst. Because even if you think you're protecting yourself when you're believing in the worst in people, you're keeping the doors closed in your own life. And you're keeping yourself from so much goodness and beauty that you could be experiencing and also giving away to others. And actually growing deeper in relationships and in your experience of the world of humanity like it's missing out in a full-on experience but to close that up we were talking about the mind and we were talking about transitions and then we went into a tangent but i hope you enjoyed this episode this was a random one i just felt like talking and here we are but i hope you have a great march whenever you listen to this today is 27th of february i don't know why i thought of saying this but if it's anyone's birthday happy birthday I don't know anyone who was born this day, but happy birthday to you. And this is me. I'm Ellie, your host, and this is Luminality. So great to have you here. <laughs>